25. Looking in Matthew chapter number 15, drop down to verse number 29, if you will, please. It said, And Jesus departed from thence, and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee, and went up into a mountain, and sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, and blind, and dumb, and maimed, and many others, cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Insomuch that the multitude wondered, when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude, because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. His disciples say unto him, When shall we have so much bread in the wilderness as to feel so great a multitude? Jesus saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven and a few little fishes. And he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks and broke them and gave to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. They did all eat and were filled, and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets full. And they that did eat were four thousand men, besides women and children. And he sent away the multitudes and took ship and came into the coast of Magdala. Let's bow our heads and hearts and go to God in another word of prayer. Good to have my son Bridger with me. Bridger, you lead us in prayer as we pray together. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, God. Yes, Lord, we need your help. Yes, oh, God. Oh, God, quicken us. Amen, amen. You may be seated. I've been preaching this week on the subject of the majestic mountains of Matthew. And as we look through this gospel of Matthew, it is the gospel that presents Jesus as the King, and He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And He didn't start to be King when He came into this world. The Bible says He was born King. The Scripture says He is the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. And as He walked upon the face of this earth, what better backdrop or setting for the King? to set on the different mountaintops in this Gospel of Matthew. No throne, no building of man can compare to the regal splendor and the glory of a beautiful mountain range. I'm a mountain boy, and I guess I'm used to the mountains, but I'll tell you, every fall of the year, it still staggers my imagination and still blesses my heart to see God take His paintbrush and run it across the Blue Ridge Mountains and uh, just show us His beauty and uh, the glory of the, uh, that country. 
And they're in Jerusalem and around Israel. There are many mountain ranges there as well. And the Lord graced these mountains and blessed these mountains by going to them. And on each one, He does something different as He goes from mountaintop to mountaintop in His journey under the cross of Calvary. We've looked at the mountain of temptation there in chapter number 4. The devil taketh him up to an exceeding high mountain. And boy, this was a high mountain. Everybody else up to that time had failed when they were taken to this mount of temptation. Adam and Eve, our, our forefather, mother, the first parents, they failed. And everybody from them all the way down, they failed and they come short and they sinned against God. But when Jesus went to that mountain, praise be unto His name, He said, it is written, and he did not yield to the devil, and the devil had to leave like a little whipped puppy dog and go off down the trail as the angels of God came and ministered to the Lord, and they cried, Holy, 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 and they magnified him who did no sin, him who knew no sin, him who was perfect in every essence and in every way. Then we move from that mountaintop to another mountain in chapter number 5. He went up into a mountain and he sat down and he began to open his mouth and teach them. And I call this the mountain of exposition. Uh, he said, ye have heard, but I say unto you. Ye have heard, but I say unto you. This had been said unto you, but I say unto you. And he's expounding. He's straightening out a lot of error that has crept into the religion of the day. There had been no new word from Malachi for 400 years till Jesus came and began to speak on this mountain of exposition and he started straightening a whole lot of mess out. I took liberty the other night just to read this sermon and without comment, without trying to expound upon it because I know there's enough truth in chapter 5, 6, and 7 to put every one of us on our face in the altar, repenting of our sins. And he knew just exactly how to touch the nerves and go to the very depths of the being, dividing asunder the joint and the mire and the difference in the thought and the intents of the heart. He knew just exactly how to say it and what to say it. And so I really didn't feel like even commenting on what he had expounded upon, but just lay that before you. And say, now that's what Jesus said. Amen. You're going to argue, argue with him. You don't like it, then tell him about it, because that's his word. Amen. Well, these Yahoo's coming along and say, well, now the Sermon on the Mount, it has no uh, validity for today, and you just throw that out. That was for the Jews. No, that's for everybody. Amen. And the reason a lot of them don't like it is because they don't like what it had to say. Everybody holler, King James, King James. Preach it, believe it, practice it, love it. Thank God for this blessed King James Bible. Amen. And then we looked at the mountain of supplication last night, chapter 14, verse 23. After he dismissed the multitudes and his disciples, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And he went there to pray and make supplication all night long. And we tried to express the thought of how if Jesus being the sinless Son of God said, I can up my own self do nothing. And He showed us His utter dependence upon the Father and on the Spirit to accomplish the will of God on this earth. 
How much do you and me that bury in our body an old wretched man and a fallen nature, and though we are saved by the grace of God, we still battle all that. How much more do I need to pray and commune and make supplication before my heavenly Father? Boy, that is a mountain that we all need to go through. Now tonight, we go a little further in the Gospel of Matthew to chapter number 15. And here we see in verse number 29 where it said, And Jesus departed from thence, and he came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee, and he went up into a mountain, and he sat down there. And tonight I want to preach on this thought, the mountain of compassion. The mountain of compassion. In verse 32, he's still on that mountain. And Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude. Now, compassion seems to be a missing element in our society. It used to be because you as an American, folk cared about you. But we got a division in our society today where there are uh, political foes that are saying, kick them, cuss them, stand in their face, stomp them, uh, knock them down, and take them out. I mean, let's fight. Let's, Let's go to war with this thing. And you know that that's not of God. Amen. Well, sometimes we miss out on compassion in our churches. Uh, We get so busy doing the work of God that we forget to have compassion. But you know, compassion down through the years has made a great difference. Brother Jude tells us, and some having compassion making a difference. He said, now some save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment, stained by the flesh, spotted by the flesh. Hey, some of them need hellfire and brimstone, breathe heavy down their heart. And they that sin openly, rebuke them sharply. That's not alleviating and removing that at all. But it is to say that compassion makes a difference. I run back through the Bible. I think about how it made a difference in the history of Israel. In Exodus 2, 6, it said that she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Here's Pharaoh's daughter going down there to take a bath. But instead of taking a bath, they run into a little baby that's floating around in a basket. And when one of her gals lifted the lid up, the little baby looked up and cried. God pinched him on the hiney, and a tear dripped off his cheek. And from that cheek, that tear down his cheek, God floated in the battleship of deliverance for the children of Israel. And she had compassion upon that little child. Boy, I wonder about folk that don't have compassion on children. This abortion crowd, I don't know how a man rips a baby to shred and throw it in a garbage can or some nurse goes about all that. I don't see how they sleep at night. My soul. Compassion made a difference in the history of Israel. Compassion, it made a difference in the failure of Israel. The Bible says in Psalm 78, 38, but he, God, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquities and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time he turned his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. Had God give Israel what they deserved, he'd open up the ground and swallowed Korah and all the rest of the crowd into hell. But he showed compassion, forgiveness, and mercies again and again and again. And even though they'd been rescued from Egypt, even though they'd walked over on the Red Sea, even though God took care of them those 40 years, yet God had compassion upon them. And he knew the frame that they were but dust. 
And I thank God God had compassion on me through these 40-something years of being saved by the grace of God. When I deserved being cut off and pushed out and pushed away, thank God He had forgiveness waiting on me when I bowed my knee before Him. It made a difference in the multitude of Jesus sending the preachers. He said, but when he saw the multitudes in Matthew 9, he was moved with compassion and fainted uh, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And he called his disciples and he sent preachers unto them. Do you realize it's the compassion and mercies of God that sends a preacher to a community? The Bible says in Chronicles that they misused and abused the prophets until there was no remedy. And when God raises up preachers and sends them to a community or a people, it is a token of His divine mercy. And then I think about, my friend, how in Matthew 15, 32, a supper was provided for Jesus called His disciples unto Him and had compassion on the multitudes and He provided for them that which they needed to fill their hunger. Many times we eat from the table of God not because we deserve it, but because of His compassion. I think about how it made a difference to the debtor. In Matthew 18, 27, the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. This guy said, I can't pay you, man. I can't pay you. And he had compassion and frankly forgave him the debt. And then that rascal turned around and grabbed his brother by the throat and told him, said, you pay me. And he owed him just a few dollars. And he couldn't, he said, I can't be patient with me. And so he threw him into jail and said, I'm going to keep you there. I'm going to have you beat every day there. I'll get it out of you, boy. What do you think the goodman that had given compassion to him thought about that? And you know, if we've been forgiven so much, I think it's our duty to turn around and do some forgiving. Amen. It made a difference in the widow's son. In Luke 7, the Bible said Jesus came up the trail as they were coming down the trail and he met the widow of name and her son's dead in that casket and he had compassion on her and he stopped the procession and he said woman why weepest thou and he reached up and touched that old boy and that boy that had been dead praise God dead's head to the graveyard with it jumped out of that casket hallelujah grabbed his mama done the tea berry shuffle all the way back to the house hallelujah And why did that transpire? Because Jesus had compassion on an old dead boy. Well, I was just an old dead boy on my road to hell. But I'm glad Jesus passed by and had compassion. He changed everything, made a difference. He made a difference in the prodigal son's life. That rebellious son ought to have been stoned according to Deuteronomy. But when the father saw him a great way off, he had compassion. He was moved in his heart. Praise God, he ran out to meet his son and he fell on him. Instead of choking him and beating him to death, he kissed him with many kisses, brought him back to the house, told the servant, get the best robe, which was his robe. Said, get the ring, put it on his finger, put shoes on his feet. Praise God, kill the fatted calf. Thank God, let's get the barbecue grill going here. Ma, uh, tell the fiddle player to strike it up. We're going to have a spell around here. My son that was lost is now found. 
Boy, what if he had been an old sullified felon and sat around? I don't like that boy coming back. He just should have stayed down there at the hog pen. No, he had compassion. And I'm glad, thank God, when I come home, the Lord didn't turn his back on me or turn his head away from me, but he had compassion upon me. What I'm trying to do in introduction is tell you that the whole Bible is filled with the compassion of God toward you and toward me. And we need to go to this mountaintop tonight and ask God to put some of that compassion in our heart. Amen. Now Webster says compassion means to sympathize with the consciousness of others in their distress with a desire to alleviate that. It means to have bowels yearning to help and to reach out. It has to do with a feeling of sympathy and pity and to be moved with love and compassion toward the need of somebody else. It's not a turning the back and say, well, they got themselves in the mess, they can get themselves out of the mess. Fooey on this crowd. I'm tired of this. I'm glad the Lord's not like that. Amen. You and I, we run an end of our patience a lot of times, but how long-suffering and how patient our God is. Amen. Now, I want you to notice in this scripture that is before us, Number one, the miracle that was performed. Look in verse number 29. And Jesus departed from thence, and he came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee. And he went up into a mountain and sat down there. Well, he wasn't sitting there resting long until the Bible says great multitudes came unto him. And when they came, they didn't come by themselves, for they brought with them some people. They brought with them lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and others. And they cast them down at Jesus' feet. Now I see, first of all, some people involved. Great multitudes came unto Him. Uh, there were some bringers, and then there were some folk that were brought. The bringers had compassion. You can imagine coming out of the city and going out there to the mountainside in Jerusalem what it took for them to get the lame man out there. Somebody had to carry him. They probably had four fellows, one on each corner carrying him. Somebody had to say, hold on to my hand, blind man, and I'll lead you along the way. Somebody had to say, just come with me, deaf man. I'll watch out for you, and I'll keep you out of danger. And right on down the line, all of these folk, they had needs. Oh, did they have needs. But somebody brought them out of compassion from where they could have just said, well, you stay here, I'm going out there to see Jesus. They said, no, we don't want to go by ourselves. We want to bring somebody with us. And you know, I say, church, that we can show compassion by not just coming to church, but by bringing somebody with us. Between now and the Lord's day, would you pray and ask God to help you to bring somebody with you to the house of God? Amen. Amen. And if you have to drive two vehicles, that'll be all right too. Amen. And it's a blessing. I go places. I see somebody get saved. Next time I come, there'll be a whole pew full out of that family that wasn't there before. Amen. And then you look, and here's another pew full. And you know why? Because there are some bringers that have compassion. Now get this, they were uninvited. 
I don't read where the Lord said, all right, we're having a big meeting up on the mountain. Y'all all come. He'd already had the big meeting there. Look at the Syrophoenician woman and the others and the preaching and, and what he'd done before. He was probably going there to sit down and rest a little bit. They were uninvited, but he didn't say, ah, go back to the house and leave me alone. We're invited to come. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And he tells us to have compassion upon others and bring them with us. So there were the bringers and then there were those who were brought. The Bible says that he saw the multitude coming to him and they brought folk. I was listening to the radio today or our CD today. They were singing that song about the old boy come running down, the, uh, down the, uh, the lane and he asked him, what are you running for? He said, oh, I'm just trying to catch up with the lame man. He was, amen, telling about the blind man that just saw and the deaf man that now he's shouting and praising God. I, I, I listened to that song. I said, glory to God. Wasn't it a wild time around old Galilee when Jesus passed by? Here's the lame man. He's crippled. And he can't walk, he's in bonds, he can't get up, and he can't move forward. He is stuck where he's at because his legs are crippled, twisted, broke. Something is wrong with him that keeps him from walking aright. And the Bible tells us that we walked according to the crooked path. And we walked in uh, steps away from God. We were lame as far as getting ourselves to God. For there's none that seeketh after God. I couldn't get to Him. There's something in my nature and my being wanted to run from God. Not run to God. The lame man. Then the blind man. Those that can't see. Those that had a darkness and lived in darkness. Oh, they might could have heard about a sunset, but they'd never seen a sunset. They may have heard about a beautiful mountain scene, but they had never seen one. They lived in a complete world of darkness. And you could get aggravated and mad at them all you want and say, can't you see, can't you see, can't you see? And the old blind man said, no, I just can't see. I'm honest with you, I just can't see. Close your eyes. Think about that. Living in darkness. There they are. But oh, they came to Jesus. They were brought to Jesus. And Jesus is able to do something for them. And then there's the dumb man, the man who couldn't talk. Well, just call on the name of the Lord. He had infirmities that hindered him from calling on the Lord. And then there was the man that was injured severely, causing lasting damage. They had been hurt by somebody somehow along the way. They'd been maimed and their whole life had been shattered and wrecked and turned around because of somebody or something else. There's a lot of maimed people in our society. Boy, people want to keep looking back at that. Well, the reason I'm 60 years old and I just can't, Hardly stay in the house no more because when I was 14, somebody slapped me where they shouldn't have slapped me and I've been, you know, been crippled and maimed and I just can't live in society and bring myself to society no more. Amen. But there's some folk that have really been hurt bad. I mean, really, it's not just an excuse. They've really been hurt bad. And when all this crowd come, it wouldn't be somebody you'd think that you'd be ushering in to meet the king. I mean, could you imagine the Queen of England coming by 
And here you have all these people, maimed and blind and lame and halt and crippled and everybody there and folk that can't control themselves. They got the palsies and leprosy and all of that. And they're standing there and here comes the queen of England. What do you think she'd say? No, get me a dignified crowd. This is a dignified royal possession. But not Jesus. Glory to God, this is exactly who he wanted. And that is exactly what he wanted. Amen. He touched the lame man. And you reckon what that lame man did? I imagine that he started leaping and jumping up and down and saying, glory to God, glory to God. Look at what the Lord has done for me. Do you think his life was changed? You think he met Jesus that day and he stayed the same? Oh no. Praise God, he bounced up and started running. What about the blind man? What about the blind man? You reckon what he did? You reckon when his eyes was open, he saw all that crowd? You reckon he just said, well, praise the Lord, it's nice to see. That's what blue looks like. That's what white looks like. That's what that ball of heat feels, sees. I can see it now, not just feel it. Thank you, but I get to see your face, old boy. Thank you for bringing me out here. Oh, there's my Savior. I worship you, and he got to see Jesus on the first time in his life. His eyes were open. I see it, I see it, I see it. And you know when God saves somebody and the eyes of your illumination are opened up, it's just like a blind man receiving his sight. I had an old Bible, J.C. Penney's Bible. My mama bought me King James Zip-Up Bible and gave it to me as a boy and I carried it to church and I didn't get anything out of it. Preachers preached, they just hollering and all that and I wanted to go fish to ride my Hodak a motorcycle or do something. I didn't care nothing about it. I'm just blind. Why are they getting all happy? Why are they crying? Why are they subverted? But praise God, the night I got in that altar and my eyes popped open. Hallelujah. I went back and got that Bible and it started leaping out at me and I started seeing things. I started understanding why folk got emotional and stirred up and their hearts were filled with the fullness of God. I began to understand why people wanted to give and invest in the work of God. Why a man to pack his family up and move halfway around the world to go tell somebody else about Jesus. I started seeing all that. I couldn't see none of it until my eyes were open. Amen. And then the dumb. Praise God. Lord be merciful to me a sinner. And it's like he'd loose my tongue strings. Oh. And then after that I want to tell everybody. I bet that fellow's one of the talkingest fellas you ever seen after that. Amen. I ever tell you what Jesus did for me. Uh, yeah, I think you have a dozen times. Well, there's a time when I couldn't tell you about that because my tongue is tied and I just couldn't say nothing about it because he hadn't done nothing for me. But now that he's done something for me, I just can't shut up. I got to tell it, I got to tell it, I got to tell it. And I pray God loosens some tongue strings around here wherever where you go and people you get involved with. You want to tell it, tell it, tell it, tell it, tell it, tell it. Amen. In the main, oh, I just can't get over that. I can't get over. Praise God, I got over it. I got past the bitterness. I've forgiven Amen. them. I'm gonna let that be their problem. They don't never want to be reconciled. That's their business, but it ain't gonna be my problem. I've already forgiven. If they never ask me, I'm over it. I, I lay that behind me. I'm moving on. I'm going on down the way. Praise God, and I'm not gonna let something that happened way back there hinder me no more. 
And then the Bible says, and he healed many others. That list goes on and on and on and on and on. There's millions and multitudes of problems that people have. I don't know what your problem is, but I'll tell you this. Thank God Jesus can handle it. Amen. Amen. People involved. Are we involved in getting people there? The place involved. The Bible says they brought them to Jesus' feet. They didn't bring them to the business meeting of the local gossip club. They didn't bring his crowd to the telephone tell-a-tale club. They didn't take them over to Dr. Do Good and Dr. Good Works and splash a little perfume on them and, and shine them up and just stay like you are and we'll accept you and put you right in. No, praise God, they brought them to the feet of Jesus. You know why? Because when you go back in the Gospel of Matthew, that's where folk were brought to, and they got saved, they got helped, they got touched and transformed. And you know who I imagine the people that were bringing the other people were? I imagine it's folk that were brought to him before. Hallelujah. (laughs) I've had people turn around and ask, why are you concerned about me? I say, well, because somebody's concerned about me. What do you mean? I was standing in Moscow, Russia, giving out tracts on Red Square of all places. Hallelujah. Old fellow looked at me and he said, You're from America? I said, I'm from America. He said, What are you doing here? He said, Everybody here wants to go to America and get out of this place. I said, well, the reason I'm here is because Jesus came to this old earth and bled and died nearly 2,000 years ago that I might be saved, and he saved me by the grace of God. And the only reason I'm here is to come give you this gospel tract and tell you what Jesus did for me is what he can do for you. And no boy, tears come up in his eyes, and he reached in his pocket and got some rubles, which is their money, and tried to give it to me. And I said, oh, no, buddy, this is free. I don't want one ruble from you. Jesus, give it to me free. He'll give it to you free. Hallelujah. Woo! I'm glad, praise God, that if you have been brought, you want to have a burden to bring. Over in Titus, Paul reminded that crowd. He said, and you such said you were hateful and hating one another. You remember how you were? I know you're going to the Cretans. They're evil beasts, slow bellies, and liars. About as sorry a human beings that's ever walked the face of God's green earth. And sometimes you get aggravated at them, and you really do. But he said, you just remember, we were hateful and hating one another. We were guilty of all those things in the early part of chapter number 3. And he said, therefore, you be gentle unto all men. Have compassion toward others, just like God had compassion toward you. Amen. Praise God. Look at the power involved. He healed them. He didn't get stumped. He said, well, boys, I've I've got about 40% of you, but I can't help the rest of you. (laughs) It wasn't a case that came to him that Jesus couldn't handle. (laughs) Praise God. Traveling around the world these 40 years, I've run into some real cases. Oh my goodness, all this crowd, man, just, 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 that just gripes me. That gripes me. 
Well, back there in high school, I think somebody knows something. Now I know it's been 50 years down the road and all that, but because of that and this, that, and the other, whatever you damn yeah, how many of you'd like to have your yearbook read tonight? How many of you like to go back to high school? How many of you like to have all that account put on you? But they don't understand something. Thank God that was before I got saved by the grace of God. Now I'm saved by the grace of God, washed in the blood of Jesus. Yeah, I was a rebel. I admit I was a sinner. I admit I've done all kind of ungodly things. But Jesus passed by and he straightened out my limbs. And praise God, he set my feet to jump in. And he forgave me of my iniquities and he had compassion upon me and now I'm serving not because I feel like I'm anything or I deserve anything but because him who went to that mountain showed compassion upon my soul Woo! hallelujah preachified around here brother David amen and in verse 31 the praise involved it said they glorified the God of Israel and don't take for granted why they said that. We glorify the God of Israel. You know who the God of Israel was? His name wasn't always Israel. His name was Jacob. Jacob was the trickster, the supplanter, the beguiler, the heel catcher, the hoodwinker, the liar, the conniver. He was a wretched dog, what he was. But God... Wrestle him down in a prayer meeting, touched the hall of his thigh, got him to confess who he was, and the Lord transformed him and said, Now you're going to be named Israel because you're going to be a prince with God and have power with God and power with men. Happy is the man that hath the God of Jacob for his refuge. The God of Jacob is the God that has mercy on sinners. Hallelujah. Yes, oh, give me what I deserve. No, no, no. Praise God. I'll take his mercy any day. Yes, sir. Amen. So they started saying, glory to the God of Israel. Glory to the God of Israel. As you transform Jacob from a self-dependent man to die and worship in a leaning on his staff, Lord, you transformed me and you changed my life as well. And they glorified him for that mercy, that compassion, and that grace. Amen. But it didn't just end there with this miracle performed. Jesus goes on after he's done all of this great work in their physical bodies and spiritual souls. In verse 32 and 33, he said he called his disciples unto him and said, Now I have compassion on the multitude." And I got some more compassion coming because they continue with me now. These days have nothing to eat. I'll not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. They didn't say, Lord, we're hungry. We need something to eat. They didn't even mention it. But he knew that they had been following him in three days and he knew they was hungry. I'm glad I was raised in R.F. Bain's house and Ray Bain's house. If you ever come to their house, they're going to say, can I fix you something to eat? Have you had supper? Are you hungry? My grandpa was like that. You wouldn't leave his house without a quart of honey or, or something. I mean, he's going, to, he's going to try to be a blessing to you. Make sure if you come in there and it's supper time, you're just going to sit down and eat. No, no, no. I don't want you. I'm in post. You ain't in post. Sit down here now. Jesus looked at him and he said, you know, this crowd's hungry. 
and I want to help them. You know, compassion is shown sometimes in little things. Don't have to be great big things. He discerned the days they had traveled. He discerned the the need that they had in their beings for something to eat. And you know what he done? He said, hey, come here, boys. Come here, disciples. You boys, come here. Come here. I want you all to join in with me. I got compassion on this multitude. I want you to catch on to this. You hadn't paid it any attention, have you? Well, no. I just figured the rascals come out here by themselves. They can get back home by themselves. Who's I, I didn't... I didn't beget them. <laughs> I ain't got to feed them. Ain't my responsibility. <laughs> no, it's not. You know, I thank God for America. I thank God for the Christian influence. And the reason I know there's been Christian influence down through the years is because every time there's a tornado, a hurricane, every time there's a tsunami, every time there's an earthquake, you know who's the first ones there? Good old United States of America. I wonder if they had to have a Coast Guard down there ushering the ships in from Europe to help us in this last hurricane down there in North Carolina. Huh? You reckon Australia's sending over some supplies to help them down here in Florida for being hit? Mexico, you reckon they're rustling up some folk to come help us in our disaster and in our time of trouble? No. They don't give a rip about us, but we continue to do it to them. And you know why? Because it's not tit for tat. Thank God if you've got compassion in your heart, you want to help and be a blessing to somebody else just because it's right to do, not because it's going to bring you advantage, not because it's going to bring you glory, not because you're some good to look at me and look what I've done. No, just because Jesus puts it in your heart to help them because it's right to help them. They said, and they made an objection to it. They said, well, uh, we have so much in the wilderness, bread in the wilderness, to fill such a great multitude, you would call on us to do something we can't do. Yeah, that's right. And you know, being a Christian is doing something you can't do. It's not in natural man. And I challenge you, just run right through 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, that great love chapter, and ask yourself, can I do this? I think you're going to have to come out of there saying, whew, man, huh. But thank God we'll go over to Romans chapter number 5, and he said, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. And the fruit of the Spirit is love. And God's people do what it's not natural to do. And they operate in a way it's not natural to do. Natural men don't operate like Christians do. Christians are out of this world because, praise God, they're citizens of another country and the Lord's helping us with what's in His heart to be put in our heart so we can manifest it unto the world. And by this shall all men know ye are my disciples because you love one another. Well, praise God. Jesus said, go feed them. He said, we don't have it. He said, what have you got? He said, well, seven fish and uh, um, seven, uh, uh, they said seven fishes or seven loaves and a few little fishes. That's all we got. He said, All right, make a command, sit on the ground. They ought to start getting used to this by now because he's already done this one time. And so he ranked them up and set them down. And the Bible says, and here's what I like oh, glory to God. They had seven basketfuls left over. Now, when you read about the previous feeding, 
The word for basket there is little old small baskets. That's how they carried it out. But the word for basket here is the word for hampers. <laughs> they started out with little bitty basketfuls. Here, boy, here, boy. That's how they did the first feeding. Man, they had to make a lot of trips. Next time, glory to God, they got hampers. And they brought them to him, and he filled them to overflowing. Glory to God. And they went through that crowd, and everybody got, and everybody ate. Peter, thank you for this bread. Hey, bud, don't thank me. See that fellow up there handing it out? You thank him. Because you see, I don't have anything in my basket. It's empty, but I'm going to go get some more, and I know where to get it. Praise God, he came to him who has unlimited compassion and he filled his basket up and here he came again. Hey, don't give me any honor or glory for a message. Don't give me any praise. He's the one who fills the basket up. He's the one who gives so we can give out. And the Lord said, I want you to partake of the compassion that I'm having and I'm going to let you do some distributing, fellas. Oh, what a blessing. Carry the sweet word of God and watch God do a work in hearts, do a work in lives and change folk. The Bible said they that ate were 4,000 men beside women and children. And he sent the multitude away, took ship, and he came there to the coast of Magdala, and then business is on again as usual. You can't follow this king without having a vision of kingly compassion. Get it now. He didn't have to do any of that. He's not obligated to you or me or anybody else. He could have put Adam and Eve in the bottomless pit immediately and went on and been God and been happy being God through all eternity. But his compassion. Hallelujah. He chose to work for us and work to us and to do what we couldn't do for ourselves. The reason we're sitting here is because of His everlasting love. You know what? If we've had that kind of love bestowed on us, how much more should we say, Lord, take the hardness out of my heart. Thomas said, no man cared for my soul. Do we care for anybody beside ourselves? I'm guilty as the next fellow getting busy and running in the circle of life. What we'll wear, what we'll eat, what we'll do. And getting so, it's such a whirlwind running around and around and around that we forget that there's others out here. They need Jesus. And when you get a compassionate crowd that wants to help somebody else and gets to bringing them to Jesus, you know what's going to happen? Praise God, people are going to get saved. Because some having compassion make a difference. Let's bow our heads and hearts. Sister, if you'll come on the piano, we've got folk here praying already. You want to come and pray, you come on. You're here tonight lost without God. You wonder, will Jesus help me? Look at all the folk he helped. Lame, dumb, blind, halt, lepers. Jesus, a friend of sinners, and he helped them. Somebody brought you to the house of God tonight. 
Won't you get at the feet of Jesus and let Jesus do a work in your heart and change your life? You're here tonight and saved by the grace of God. Maybe you need to pray, Lord, help me to get that attitude of bringing others to you. And as you've had compassion on me, God, fill me afresh with compassion. Let's stand all over the house. Won't you just get up and come on, make your way to this altar and get some help from God tonight. Step out right now. Just come on right now. Right now. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Folk are here praying. You want to come pray? Come on right now. Praise God. Others, just slip out from where you're at. Break loose. Say, Lord, you called the disciples to you and said, Here, I want you to join in with me on this compassion business. Lord, I need some of that in my own heart. Lord, I need some compassion showed to me. Would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me? Would you help me? Would you restore me? Would you work in me? God's speaking to you. Come on right now, will you? God's working in you. You come on right now. Amen. Folk, you're praying around the altar. Why don't you join them? Get something real. These folk left their chains. They left their different. I believe the disciples left their different. They left their carrying seven, seven baskets full of leftovers. You're always going to have leftovers when you give. God's going to make sure you go away with more than you ever invest. Oh, come on right now. Come on. That's it. Come on. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Brother Shane. Praise God. Come on. Join these in prayer. Come on. Come on right now. Praise God. Prayer's being answered right here tonight. Come on. God's broke your heart. And you got a burden. Whatever it is, lay it down. There's some folk here got some needs in their lives. The Lord's able to fulfill those needs. He's able to help. There's no case that stumps Jesus. And there's no case too hard for Jesus. Come turn it over to Him tonight. Come on. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Praise God. Come on right now. God's speaking to you. Right around this altar here, looking to the Lord. Glory to God. You can tell Jesus all of your burdens, all your heartaches. My goodness, that was a messed up crowd that came to Jesus. But boy, he done some straightening out because of his mercy. The Lord can straighten you out. God can help you tonight. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. What's your burden? What's your need? Tell it to Jesus. He wants to hear it tonight. He wants to help you tonight. Glory to God. Oh, Lord.